welcome to Scare You to Sleep. I'm your host, Shelby Scott. Before we begin, I wanted to share with you a phenomenal podcast. He was also with the Bloody FM Network. By the way, I got a message. She was a little confused about seeing Bloody FM now when you play the episode. Um, Bloody FM is still bloody disgusting, and I do still make my own show all by myself. Uh, I, I got an email asking or kind of accusing me of not doing the show by myself because it says Bloody FM, but I assure you, I still do the show. It's still all me. I'm just a part of the network, and it's networks. I'm not even going to explain to you how networks work, but I assure you, it's still me back here sitting in my office with my cat doing all the narrating, editing, all that jazz. So, um, but I wanted to share with you another show on the Bloody FM Network who I love this show so much and I wanted to spread the word. If you like my show, I know you'll love theirs. Here is a little sneak peek of The Hotel. Welcome to Bloody FM's The Hotel, a horror podcast with new episodes on the 1st and 15th of every month. Each night a guest dies a fantastic death in a hotel, that's me, who assumes the shape of anything from a five-star resort down to a roadside roach motel. My staff will check you in. The manager. We've been expecting you. Her faithful lobby boy. Right this way to your room. The owner. Hotel policies. No one checks out. Not even us. And sometimes we get a little well. (laughs) Stepping out of the darkness, the hotel shimmers. And I'm me again. I can hear the universe. I'm still the owner screaming. Back behind my desk where I belong. Forever. Rows and rows of clean halls. I still answer to a higher power. So many voices. Rooms in the billions. I'll have to take a more hands-on approach to the guests. We'll be checking in guests until the decay. All waiting to find their rooms. The hotel will be overseeing us. Never be alone again. Personally. From now on. I wish we were alone. Keep that lobby boy away from me. She's here now. She's always been here. Listen on the 1st and 15th of every month on Bloody Disgusting's Bloody FM Network, wherever you listen to podcasts. And remember, if you want an ad-free experience of Scary to Sleep, which I totally understand, you can head on over to Patreon, and for only $1 a month, you can get the show without ads. Honestly, you can even pay ahead of time for the entire year, and you get a 10% discount on the year. So that's what, I can't do math very well. Like $11 with a discount? I don't know. Anyway, you can do that. And if you want to support a little more, then you'll also get a ton of bonus content. So let's get on with the show, shall we? This week, I have for you a terrifying tale that caused me to write back to the author in all caps in a burst of excitement for what I had just read. It was very unprofessional, but I was just over the moon about how creepy this tale is, and I know you will be too. This story is by Corinne Preza, and this is Crawl.
I was renting a rundown house in a low-income neighborhood in the west end of town. It was the kind of neighborhood that is populated by small, independently run convenience stores every couple of blocks. The kind of stores that have shelves stocked with dusty old bags of pasta and canned soup, veggies and beans with faded labels, and strange tiny bottles of ginseng shots on the counter. People didn't buy food at these stores. People bought lottery tickets, energy drinks, six packs of watery beer, and cheap packs of cigarettes. Outside the shop doors, they met up with hoodie-clad figures with shifty eyes to pick up dime bags or a gram or two of coke, even tranquilizers. These stores sold distraction, an escape from the mundane existence of those struggling below the poverty line. The streets were dirty and full of litter, and the houses were shabby and too close together. Permeating the smog-filled air was the constant cacophony of sirens, thudding bass, revving engines, garbled noise from television sets, barking dogs, and even the occasional shrill screech. For three years, I called this neighborhood home as I dredged through long, miserable hours working in the legal department of a company that made gaskets. The company put more money into their legal department than it did into the safety of their employees, adopting the philosophy that it was cheaper to pay legal to get them out of nasty little lawsuits than to spend the millions it would cost updating their machinery. They scraped by on bare minimum safety standards and employed people like me to ensure that no claims had to be paid out. It was a job that came with little sleep, too small of a paycheck, and a heavy conscience. While I was working at this company, the only place I could afford was this beat-up little house in the West End. It was small, kind of drafty, and had the perpetual and inexplicable odor of wet dog kibble. It had dirty, peeling linoleum floors, badly patched drywall, and leaky plumbing. It was definitely full of mold, and the space behind the walls was just about at capacity with mice. It sounds like an absolute shithole, but if you saw it, it was actually much worse. The one thing this house had in the way of saving graces was the back porch. It was covered with a faded, striped awning that had once been red and white, but had taken on the colors of rust and too many cigarettes. This porch had enough space to fit an old threadbare sofa and a small wooden end table. After a soul-crushing ten hours at the plant, I would drag my weary body home, sit down on that sofa, light up a premium cigarette, while sipping a glass of bottom-shelf red wine, and daydream about the day my real life would start. It was just about the only time I had to relax. I could close my eyes and imagine I was sitting on the balcony of one of the colorfully painted townhouses somewhere in a coastal town in Italy. A soft breeze ruffling my hair. 
the sound of sirens and stereos would fade and be replaced by the sound of waves crashing, seagulls calling, and music being played in the marketplace below. The stale, acrid smell of dog kibble would dissipate into the smell of marzipan, salt water, and garlic, and the bougainvillea that dripped their fragrant blooms from hanging baskets all around. These brief moments spent in my imagination were my only respite, my vacation from my monotonous, gray existence. There was one thing that always ended these brief moments of happiness prematurely, and that was the sound of my neighbor's dog. My neighbor was an exceedingly nice guy named Phil. He was a slight, somewhat gawky, intelligent-looking man who always wore pressed short-sleeve button-up shirts and wire-rimmed glasses. He looked like what you would imagine an accountant to be. He was always polite. In fact, he was downright cordial. When I had first moved in, he had been nice enough to tell me which intersections to avoid based on the amount of drug-related incidents and had advised me not to purchase any of the well-expired canned goods from Fifth Avenue Convenience. In such a shitty neighborhood, he was the best neighbor you could ever hope for. I don't know what was wrong with that damn dog. It was almost constantly making these awful, screeching, yelping sounds, accompanied by a grating scratching. Presumably, its claws on the wood of the side of the porch... At first I felt bad for it. It spent its whole life living under Phil's back porch. I'd never seen it taken into the house, and to be honest, I didn't even know what kind of dog it was. If I had to guess, I would have said some kind of hound dog, based on the baleful, throaty whines it was constantly making. I first started hearing the dog about a year and a half after I moved into the place. After over a year listening to the dog whining with almost no respite, my good-natured pity for the thing had grown into a staunch, annoyed resentment. My job, which consisted of making sure good people received no compensation for accidents they couldn't control, had successfully begun to rob me of my humanity. After two years of stealing myself against the pitfalls of my fellow man, of justifying helping to tear families apart, all for the sake of the bottom line. All I felt for this poor, sad old dog was annoyance that she was interrupting my few moments of peace. I know how absolutely monstrous that is. I'm not trying to make excuses for it. I was in a dark place, and I had a dark and bleak mindset about the world around me. The drunk across the street constantly screaming at his wife. The junkies two doors down who used their baby bonus checks to buy meth from the dealer outside Fifth Avenue convenience. Children running around setting fire to trash cans screaming fuck you to everyone they passed. Robberies, beatings, destruction, all of these things combined with my soul-crushing job completely jaded me. Every day I would wake up and get into my leaking shower and let the cold, slightly off-color water pour down on me 
and dread the day that was coming. A young man, Will Duncan, age 22, got his work gloves caught in the moving gears of a machine that had inexplicably shut down. While trying to pull it out, someone threw the reset switch, causing the gears to turn, pulling his arm into the machine, crushing the bones of his arm and eventually severing it at the elbow. It was almost four minutes before someone on the line heard his screams over the sound of the groaning machinery. He lived, but thanks to me and my colleagues, received no compensation. He was given 50% wages for a year and a lifetime of disability. He shouldn't have put his hand in the machine. Operator error, not liable. He will never be able to teach his son to throw a baseball. He won't even be able to write his name I'd like to say that I quit after that. I'd like to say that I marched into the stockholders meeting and screamed, this is enough. But I didn't. It was too routine. This was just another Tuesday for me. Instead, what I did was caught the bus home, stopped at good old Fifth Avenue convenience and picked up a magnum of Santa Cristina and a pack of Belmonts and went to my back porch. Then I drank. I drank and I smoked and I sunk into my imagination. I savored the taste of my sour wine and it turned into the mellow, oaky taste of a fine-aged Merlot. The breeze ruffled my hair and I smelled the bougainvillea's sweet blooms. The case photo of 22-year-old Will Duncan's mangled, bloodied stump of an arm flashed into my mind. I drank more. I heard the soft music being played in the marketplace below my balcony in my brightly colored townhouse. Somewhere in a coastal town in Italy. I took a deep breath and inhaled the delicious salt water and marzipan-scented air. Then I heard the baleful, croaking whine of my neighbor's dog. The delightfully scented breeze turned into the stale, gag-inducing smell of wet dog kibble. I was filled with rage. I needed this. I needed these few precious moments to put all my pieces back together into some semblance of a human being. How could I continue to tear people's worlds apart if I wasn't even a real person? The dog let out a throaty, guttural wail. I took a giant pool of my chipped wine glass, draining it. I decided I was going over there and putting an end to this. I stood up and my head spun. I grabbed the splintered, washed out railing and I took careful, calculated steps 
across the yard to my gate. I pushed it open, the rusted hinges groaning their complaints to the smog-filled night. My head swam as I walked up the side alley and turned abruptly and stepped onto Phil's front porch. I walked to the door and full of drunk, righteous anger, pounded on the gray, bubbled, chipped paint. I waited, still seething with the anger of the precious dream that had been snatched away from me. I waited. I began to feel uneasy. This wasn't me. I didn't seek out confrontation. I was about to turn and leave when I heard a creak from the other side of the door. It opened a crack, and I saw the glare of the streetlight reflect on the lens of Phil's glasses. His eyes narrowed in suspicion. I saw recognition pass over him, and he opened the door wide, a benevolent smile crossing his face. Hey! He said, smiling as he stepped out into the light. How's it going? I instantly became aware of my wine-stained mouth and very consciously rubbed the back of my hand across my lips. Uh, hey, I said, filled with regret and embarrassment for my intrusion. What time was it? What's up, buddy? Phil said amicably. Uh, sorry, man, but... Could you do something about your dog? She's really kicking up a racket. I stammered, trailing off into a mumble. Phil looked at me for half a second, smile still intact, and then his face fell. I'm really sorry about Jessie, he said, looking downward. She's just getting up there in years. She won't even come out from under the porch anymore. Her arthritis is so bad, she can't get up the back stairs. I try to keep her as comfortable as possible, but with all this humidity, she's been getting worse. I don't want her to suffer, but she still has some good days. I can't stand the idea of losing her yet. He looked up at me, apologetically. My stomach sank. I was the embodiment of shit. I was subhuman. I am so sorry, man. I didn't know. I've just been really stressed out with work and... No, it's okay. I understand. You don't need to apologize. Phil said, a deep sadness in his eyes. I guess I've been so caught up with focusing on her good days... I've been trying to deny how bad she's gotten. Phil, I said, feeling myself fall deeper into the cesspool of my own human garbage. No, he said, seeming to pull himself together and look me in the eyes. I know you didn't mean it in the way it sounded. I can't keep letting her suffer this way. I've been blind to it. You haven't done anything wrong. After several more muddled apologies, and several more reassurances that I wasn't the bad guy, I went back to my porch feeling like the world's 
biggest prick. I sunk into the sofa and looked at the remainder of the bottle of wine, thinking I would lean over the railing and dump it out. But somehow, it found its way to my lips, and I drank it down. I went to bed that night feeling hazy and sad, and woke up in tangled and sweaty sheets. That morning, I showered in my leaking tub, went to work with my head pounding, and finished my report on Will Duncan's incident. I took the bus home and stopped at Fifth Avenue Convenience for a bottle of Maria Christina and a pack of Belmonts. I came home to flashing blue and red lights and a flurry of police squad cars and ambulances. A throng of neighbors stood around in dirty pajama bottoms and dingy frayed bathrobes, pointing cell phones at the throng of investigators going in and out of Phil's house. I stood there, slack-jawed and immobile in front of my house, watching the circus with the throng of addicts, abusers, and sad, broken-down people. My trance was broken when a well-dressed man approached me, showing me a badge. Are you Jason Scott? He asked me, pulling me from my reverie. Yes, I choked. You live at 24 Balmoro? He asked. Yeah, yes, I, I live here. I stammered. I need to ask you a few questions, he said, pulling me from the throng of curious onlookers. The crowd went wild with buzzing murmurs as a stretcher carrying a shrouded figure was carried out the front door. Have you ever heard anything suspicious from Bill Cartwright's residence? The officer's voice echoed in my ears. I gathered my thoughts. No, I only ever heard his dog. Jessie. She was old and had arthritis. The humidity made it worse recently. The officer sighed. There's been an incident. Any information you can give us would be paramount to helping further this investigation. Jessie. Jessica Sullivan, aged 21, reported missing after she failed to return home after her shift at a local bakery. Found alive, severely malnourished, tongue cut out, crawling in her own waist under the porch of 26 Balmoro in the West End. Survived one year, six months, 12 days, with only dog kibble and rainwater for sustenance. Suspect Phil Cartwright shot dead upon arrival by officers after reports of gunshots at the residence. I felt myself sink down into the dewy grass. 
the officer was shouting something I couldn't hear. I heard Jesse's guttural, wailing howls echo in my mind. I crawled out of the smog of my subconscious, and for the briefest moment, I smelled the dripping, fragrant blossoms of the bougainvillea. Then, everything went dark. Thanks for listening. By the way, Corinne, I just want... <laughs> it was so funny when I was reading this. Another thing that got me was describing this really rundown shit apartment or house. There were some things that came up that uh, I currently have in my own apartment. I'm not offended. Don't worry. This is not be- being offended. It's just... Um, it was just kind of funny. I have... Let's see. Peeling linoleum. Um, badly patched drywall. I don't have mice, so that's great. But uh, definitely felt those vibes um, from <laughs> this apartment. I could relate to the uh, to Jason Scott uh, in a lot of ways about their shitty apartment. So it really, you know, I love ambiance and sitting in an actual shitty apartment when you're reading about one really brought the story to life. <laughs> okay, now that I'm done roasting myself, um, you can follow the show on Instagram, Twitter. Facebook. Uh, for those of you who have Patreon, you haven't been hearing up top, but the live show tickets are still on sale. I really want to see you all at the live show. In fact, today, um, Pacific John and I all had a meeting discussing our segments of the show, and I'm even more excited than I was before. It's so good, and it's different, and I love it, and I'm very, very excited to see you all and meet you. And I got my dress today that I'm going to be wearing, and I cannot wait to see some of your beautiful faces in person and get to spend a little time with you during the meet and greet. It's going to be so much fun. So if you're anywhere near the Chicago area or if it's feasible for you to, you know, do a little road trip to the Chicago area for November 10th, then please go buy tickets at bit.ly slash bloodyfm. And remember, if the more tickets we sell to this, the more likely it is that Bloody FM is going to let us do more live shows in other places. So if this goes over well, we'll get to tour or do at least some other, you know, venues in different states and things. And that would be amazing. So yeah, bit.ly slash Bloody FM. Get your tickets. They're only $25. Thank you for honking your horn, neighbor. That was perfect timing. Um, So let's see what else. This week I baked, but it was a Marie Callender's um, frozen Dutch apple pie because honestly, I'm not very good at making pies. They don't bring me joy. They frustrate me. I have never, my pies have never turned out like, well, I've had a few disasters, but they're edible, but they're not great. And you know, I wanted a Dutch apple pie so bad. And so I just grabbed one from the frozen section, and that's okay. It's still baking. I put it in the oven and heated it up. I mean, come on. (laughs) So that's what I did for baking this week. I'm thinking about making some banana bread because I happen to have three bananas that are going real bad right now on my counter. Um, Yeah, so what did you bake this week? What did you do this week? Halloween's coming up, and 
Oh, speaking of Halloween, I have uploaded a few things to YouTube. One is the Sleepy Hollow episode. I uploaded to YouTube with some visuals that go along with the story and add some ambiance. And it I took out the intro and outro of the podcast. So it's just the story. It jumps right into the story. And the, when the story ends, the video is over. So if you want to throw that up, while you're decorating or baking or doing anything fun this fall, even past Halloween, Sleepy Hollow doesn't say it's Halloween. It's just a very autumnal story. Throw it up on your TV. Give your your house some ambiance. Ambiance. Um, And yeah, support me on YouTube. I'm almost to the point where I can actually monetize YouTube, which would be great because I've been whining to you all about how bad of a summer I had. So (laughs) Uh, yeah, I'm think I'm only 500 hours away, which is amazing because you need 4,000 hours. So go support me there. Oh, and also there's a second video. The guided, guided nightmare swamp is also up with some visuals and I'm slowly getting all of the guided nightmares up on YouTube. Some of them right now are up and they don't have visuals just cause I hadn't had that idea yet, but I wanted them to be available there. If anyone had issues accessing this show as a podcast or on a podcast app or maybe just that's how you like to listen to stuff when you're like working on the computer or something but um swamp is up with visuals lighthouse is also up with visuals and the rest will be coming and those will also have some little visuals just to add you know again if i know some people like sleeping with their tv on and they don't want to have earbuds in so that's a great way to have a guided nightmare on with your tv on without having to have earbuds in your ears if you want to fall asleep to it. And let's see what else. I've covered the live show. I covered Patreon. I cover. I think I covered everything. Oh, go listen to the hotel. That's right. Again, if you're on Patreon, you didn't hear that because you don't have ads. So listen to the hotel. The links are in the show notes. And if you want to hear that trailer, it's at up top of this episode on the regular feed. So that's great too. And my neighbor's car is now the alarm is going off. So that's super fun. Okay. It's off now. Maybe you heard that. Maybe you didn't. I don't know. (laughs) Okay. I think that is all. I hope you're all having a wonderful spooky season. I hope you're, uh, going on hay rides and I was going to say carving apples, uh, no carving pumpkins and bobbing for apples, or maybe not these days. Maybe we don't bob for apples anymore. That's, uh, someone recently brought up how, how disgusting that seems. And I was like, I did that as a kid. I remember going to like fall festivals and bobbing for apples and never thought about the amount of saliva in that water, but food for thought, if you're going to bob for apples. Um, oh, and I'm also, I'm trying to get it out. I finally have a camera that it doesn't make me want to cry. And so I'm trying to get out another video. I'm going to do some more video content again for YouTube. Um, I have, I've been saving up some more horror poetry and I have a few really good ones. And the last horror poetry episode or video did really well. And for me anyway, (laughs) it went over really well for me and I want to do another one. And from there, I'm going to start doing some more video content. It's just taken me a while to, you know, get a camera that I can, that I know how to use and (laughs) all that good stuff. So, um, yeah, anyway, I think that's all for now. Yeah, go get some sleep.
Oh, tomorrow. Sorry. No, one more announcement. Tomorrow there will be a new guided nightmare. So if you're hearing this episode on the day it comes out, which is Thursday the 20th, kind of late. So it actually might be Friday already for some of you, but keep a lookout. There will be another episode in the next 24 hours and it will be a new guided nightmare. Very, very excited. I know so many of you are as well because it's been quite a while. I'm telling you, they're hard to write, okay? They're really hard to write. So, <laughs> uh, okay, I'm going to go and stop whining and complaining about my job. I love you. Go get some sleep. Sweet dreams.